Hi, and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about books. And today we have a listener suggestion for our topic. Um, our lovely listener, Anne, not you, Anne, a different okay, Anne, Anne. <laughs> different Anne, uh, reached out to us um, with a question, and I'm not going to read her email verbatim, but it was basically that we have referred to, or mostly I think I have referred to listening to podcasts about books and other bookish media that we follow people on Instagram or, you know, we're always interested in, in what sort of, what people are talking about out in the world about books. And so she had a question about, first of all, I think what we listen to and what we pay attention to, and then also how we balance that with our actual reading lives, because that's a lot of information to take in about books, but we obviously only have so much time to read. So how do we balance that? Which I just loved this suggestion for a topic or these questions that she had, because I think that's something any sort of reader who likes to read a lot struggles with. It's like there's right. just not enough time to read all the books that you want to read. So how do you choose how to spend your time and how do you choose what sort of influence to have, I think, on your on your reading life? So obviously right. you and I have a podcast, so we whoever's listening to this is hopefully influenced a little bit by you and I and their reading yeah. choices. I mean, that's that's kind of the idea is that we're sharing suggestions. So how do, you know, how do you filter out what we suggest compared to what other people are suggesting than your own wants uh, in your reading life? Right. So, how do you curate that? Right. That time? Right. So I thought what we could do, uh, if this sounds okay to you, Anne, is we could start with the different things that we do listen to and pay attention to first and share those and kind of why we like them. And then we can talk a little bit about the balance part of it. Yep. That's how that I wrote my good? notes too. Yep. Okay, perfect. Okay. So uh, why don't you go first just because that's sort of our usual <laughs> structure sure. is that you start. Yeah. Um, do you want me to say, I only wrote down two podcasts and so I and okay. I can kind of explain why that's the yeah perfect the way right. I do things. Sure. Um, so, for someone who is as involved with books as I am, I don't listen to many bookish podcasts because I listen to podcasts mostly when I'm exercising and when I'm driving. And for books, you can't write down right. things in either of those situations. And so I found that I was always frustrated when I first started getting into the the bookish podcast world. Um, that I was always always like, ah, this is. I'm getting ready for work and I can't take the time to write this mm -hmm. this book down. And, and so I was kind of annoyed by that. So um, so I subscri subscribe to a ton of them, <laughs> but I, I very slowly listen to just a couple regularly. And part of that is because uh, my OCD manifests itself in, uh, oh, my dog is trying to dig a hole underneath my bed. <laughs> um, can hear him scraping away right I now. I hear that, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I have a really hard time just jumping into a podcast. I'm someone who almost always has to start at the beginning, and that is crazy. Yeah. And I fully am aware that that is not a reasonable way to live my life, but that is just the way it works. And so, and so I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm making fun of myself for that, but, but that's sort of how I, I do things. So. So I don't I don't tend to just jump around a lot from podcast to podcast, but there are a couple that I listen to really regularly. And so the first one is called For Real, and it is a book riot podcast that focuses on nonfiction. And it has two hosts, Kim and Alice, and I think Kim is the former reporter and Alice is uh, just a writer generally, but she's very interested in women's history. And so the books that they tend to talk about lie right in my own personal interests so it's it's because I like current events and I like 
feminism and so so it's stuff that i'm i'm always like oh that's something i would have picked up on my own so um because i do fiction in my regular work and the the publisher meetings i go to don't always include nonfiction. they they have a lot of meetings that i don't i don't end up at because it doesn't impact what i do i'm sometimes not as aware of nonfiction as i used to be when i used to work reference and so this podcast is kind of a good way for me to fill in the blanks because i really do love sort of narrative nonfiction too so they're really good um, at focusing episodes on what's going on in the zeitgeist and in current events and they also have a bit of a an interest in sort of odd topics i would say not not like um you know, it's not super out there stuff, but sort of sort of things that are not the bestsellers. And so like the the thing that's coming to mind right now is is they recommended a book called Underground, maybe? I'll have to look that up. But it's but it's basically the history of things underground and so mm. it's all about subways and secret passages and stuff like that. And just those kinds of things that I think are are really interesting, but um but aren't the things that are going to get a ton of national attention. Mm-hmm. So that's what I need. That's what I'm looking for. That and things that aren't also so unheard of that mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to pass them by. So um so I, I really enjoy it. I, I do think like um most book riot podcasts for some reason they talk about the weather all the time which they do i I don't understand why that's a thing with book riot so why is that a thing so i have book riot podcasts in general on my list although i have to admit i have uh not listened to them in a while i uh so what happens is when we do the audio awards which i think we've both referred to the fact that we're judges on that in the fall i listen for several months to just audiobooks so then i i get behind on so many podcasts that then I take time to catch up and I have not taken time to catch up on any of the book riot podcasts since a, a year ago, basically. Anyway. Yeah. But I do know that the one that's my favorite of the book riot podcast, which is get booked, which is where they recommend, yes. they have listener questions that they recommend books for. They purposely changed. And again, I haven't listened to it in a while, so I'm sorry if they have changed this now, but at one point they had because they always talked about the weather to start, they decided to talk about what they were reading, which I liked that as a change. So because much then better. It made so much more sense. But I think that they struggle to have a way to sort of intro into whatever their topics are or something. And right. so they tend to rely on the weather. And I think they all live wherever they want to live so they're not in the same location so yes they do talk about the weather quite a bit well and i think they maybe don't talk ahead of time like we always talk for like an hour before we get started (laughs) today longer um and so i think maybe they really are just saying hey just started let's let how are things with you and then it becomes right always talking about chicago weather and i don't care Yes, I think that that's probably accurate because think about it, it's for work that they do it. So it's probably a bit more, it's like a meeting that you would have, is yeah, my guess. Yeah. whereas you and I are friends. And so we take this opportunity to catch up and chit chat and then we start recording. And so yeah. Yeah, I could see where that might be different. Fun fact, I'm pretty sure I stood in a bathroom line at ALA with Alice. For That's one of the co-hosts. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> she used to have a blog that I would follow uh, and then just followed her on Twitter and those sorts of things. And I was standing next to her and I was looking at her thinking, she looks so familiar to me. Like, I don't know. I was trying to place her. And and then I realized, I said, oh, I think that's Alice. And when I went home, I looked it up and I thought, yeah, that's exactly who that was. I should have said something to her in the moment because we stood there in line for a while and I could have chatted. We actually did chat, I think, about, you know, just whatever, ALA. Um, But I could have said, oh, you're Alice from Book Riot. 
anyway yeah she has a really a really goofy sense of humor yeah. and and so um is just very exuberant about everything that she's interested in and so so kim the other ho- mm-hmm. co-host is a little bit more uh reserved mm-hmm. um in the way she approaches things and so i like their balance really well where, where kim is is the reporter and mm-hmm. so she's just uh a little bit more even keel on mm-hmm. how she she talks about everything and then alice is like and then i loved this about it and it <laughs> it just sort of reminds me of me of of getting very excited yeah. about things that uh, other people don't care about so <laughs> so it's a good time and i i think that it's my favorite i there have been a couple of other book riot podcasts about genre specific things mm-hmm. that um i won't go into which ones i i quit listening to mm-hmm. but but some of them have really not connected with me with the mm-hmm. the hosts right um and this is one where it's less of a topic that i would normally gravitate mm-hmm. toward but the um but the hosts i find very mm-hmm. very amiable so nice. so that's that's one that I, I plus it just started too so it was easy for me to start easy to catch up yeah. yeah yeah for sure um all right so i'll talk about a podcast as well and i'm this is my absolute favorite book podcast that i listen to and so if you take anything from my suggestions today this would definitely be the one that i recommend it's called from the front porch i have i've talked about it before it is annie b jones who is the owner of the bookshelf in thomasville georgia she has a podcast and uh it is a weekly podcast that is usually so for a while it was when I started listening, it was Annie and somebody who worked at the bookshelf. And then he was in the process of getting his PhD. So he actually wasn't necessarily working at the bookshelf as much as far as I can tell, but was still doing the podcast with her. And they were fun to listen to. And they would have these really kind of fun conversations that were book related, but or book focused, I guess I should say, but still information about their personal lives, just a teeny bit and uh, about pop culture and things. So the, the things that I like to listen to people talk about were always what they would talk about. Well, then he got his PhD and my impression is he moved somewhere for a job. And so now Annie does it by herself, but she will pull in other people. So she'll do a monthly reading recap by herself, but then she'll pull in her, uh, her cousin, Ashley. They did like a Royals topic one time and she'll pull in different people to do different, um, different topics that she has. So I would say that that's one that if you like our sort of casualness of our podcast, that is something that you'll find there. It feels very conversational. It's, uh, it's just somebody who loves books and reading, talking about books and reading. Um, but what I will also say is if you try out that podcast, which is just a free podcast, the Patreon that they do has additional podcasts as well. And that's oh, fun. partially what I'm going to recommend uh, in collaboration with the main co- podcast. So they have um, Newsday Tuesday, which is Annie and one of the women who works at the store, Olivia. They do every Tuesday and it's clearly it's not edited. It's just them sitting in the store going through a pile of books that have come out that day and talking about them. So it's very similar, I think, Anne, to you and I in some ways because they sometimes got to go off on a tangent about something (laughs) or they'll talk about, I don't know. It sounds like you're sitting with friends having a conversation that you're kind of eavesdropping on. Uh, So I really, really like that. And then the other thing that you get as a Patreon subscriber, and I don't know if it's at the most basic level. I think I pay $5 a month for their Patreon just because I like supporting them. I get so much enjoyment out of it. Uh, Mm -hmm. They do conquer a classic where she 
so Annie and uh, another guy, and I'm sorry, I'm blanking on his name right now, but he he's shelf by shelf on Instagram. They pick a classic, and last year it was Anna Karenina. This year it's Middlemarch, and every month they have a discussion about a portion of the book. So you can either read along with them or just listen in as they're talking about it. So I've read both of those, Anna Karenina and Middlemarch, so I'm just sort of listening in. But again, it's fun. It's light. It's not sort of a deep dive into as much a, that you would get out of something like a, what do they call those master classes or whatever those are called? Yeah. Like it's not that sort of thing. It's two readers reading a classic book and talking about it and talking about whether they like it or not and talking about whether it was boring or not or whether it was a slog or whether it was exciting. And they're talking about, they make comparisons to pop culture. And it's just, again, it's fun. It's If you like listening to us, I feel like you probably are going to like the From the Front Porch podcast. In fact, Jeremy, I, I listen as I often get ready in the morning or when I'm going to bed at night, I listen to my whatever I'm currently listening to on my phone, audiobook or podcast or whatever. And Jeremy at one point said, I can see why you like listening to that. Like it just, it's very, yeah. it's just fun to listen to. So that's going to be my main one that I say, that is the one that I listen to, that I make sure I listen to, I yeah. will say. You know, it's if I, got, if I get behind on it, I make sure to get caught up on it. It's not one of those that I just sort of delete a bunch of episodes to get back to, back to normal uh, levels of number of hours I can listen. So it's one yeah. I will catch up on. So that's my recommendation there. If we still lived in Beaufort or in, in Beaufort County, then we could have done a road trip. To, I know, to, I know. Yeah, because I, I think I don't really could, have but... a reason to go to Thomasville, Georgia. So I don't know that I will ever actually see the store. But I do buy, there's sort of my adopted independent bookstore that when I buy gifts for somebody I that's a book that I usually buy through them uh mm-hmm. and I don't know I just like supporting them and I like and I think that's I mean I think that Annie has mentioned uh, Annie like she's my good friend uh I think she has <laughs> mentioned on that part of the goal of creating the podcast was as basically a marketing tool it was to get people who weren't necessarily local to be invested in the success of their store. So, and I think that she's definitely done that. I think uh, my impression is they have a lot of customers now that aren't local necessarily, but still support the store. So, uh, but I I just think, like I said, like you don't necessarily need to subscribe to the Patreon. I think you can get a lot out of just the regular From the Front Porch podcast. I think that's just perfectly pleasant, wonderful listening. But if you're, if you are, if you like it a lot, I would say give the Patreon a shot because that little bit of extra is fun to listen to. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's also really cool to, and in a, a time that independent bookstores are struggling so much mm-hmm. and, and trying to remain um, relevant and, um, you know, they, they are relevant, mm-hmm. but it's hard for people to remember that they're relevant because they have right. a, another option. Um well, it's cool to see them going for other, right. trying to find right. other ways to to be viable and to have people pay attention to them. Well, and in the last year, it was a, an inside peek at what it was like being a small business owner during right. a pandemic. I mean, every every episode generally or or a lot of the episodes, there would be some sort of reference to what they were doing or how they were coping or what the new thing was that they were trying to do and how they had moved so much of so much of what they had depended on prior to the pandemic were events of some sort to bring people to the store you know to have author events things like that and suddenly they couldn't do that and so what they did so anyway it's just that that part of it was interesting as well is just to see how they how they dealt with it and seemingly very well and were able to to continue but they became a 
primarily online business during the pandemic, right? So anyway, it was just, it's interesting. And I really, I really like, I just really like listening to them. That's, I mean, that's ultimately what we all want, right? It's just something pleasant and fun to listen to. And I will say, I think Annie and I have very similar book-ish tastes. um, And and then Olivia also, I like a lot of her picks too. So I think they have good book recommendations also, which is obviously part of the whole part of the whole thing yeah everyone also i'm sure you've heard this too of everyone saying i when i retire i want to open a bookstore or i want to be a librarian and and we know the librarian side of people thinking it's something completely different than what it actually is Mm -hmm. um but the bookstore side i don't know as as much and so it's it'd be fun to Mm -hmm. uh if if you get to know your independent bookseller then you do get sort of a, a little bit of the more um uh less idealistic sides of of what it means to run a bookstore and how tenuous it can be and how how much work it is whereas for people who are not involved um you just think it's looking at catalogs all day or reading books all day yeah reading books we remember if i if i had a dime for every time i heard that oh people still think they think i they say they ask if i read books at work i'm like are you no, I don't read. Yeah. I don't read, but they don't pay no. me to read books. Do you want to see just just databases? I, I can show you databases. <laughs> uh, all right. So you said you had two podcasts. What's your other one? Yeah. So the other one I listen to um, pretty regularly is called All About Agatha, and it goes through every Agatha Christie book and short story to analyze them critically and to rank them. And if you love lists and you love making lists, then why not list every, every book by an author, especially one as prolific as Agatha Christie? So they, um, it doesn't come out every month. I think it's weekly. So for a long time, I was listening to it um, very, very regularly. And now I haven't listened to it for a while because I um, I run as part of a, a Litzy Club uh, monthly Agatha Christie uh, read along basically mm. and it's it's very loose it's basically where just I post like five discussion questions and post pictures of classic covers to go along with them because they're mm. always so goofy um, but it was really fun to uh, sometimes I'll re-listen to episodes because I, I sort of quit listening for a while to get caught up on this um, or to, to be in um, in tandem with the, the book club um, but it, it's very helpful for me who who has read these books a while ago to re-listen to their episodes about these books to to get come up with discussion questions because um i need the help to, right, to remember, right. remember how these books go um and so they they analyze the quality of the mystery and they analyze the characters and the the individual books place in culture because there are some christie books that have really um become um household name kinds of kinds of books but they also look at the problematic elements because Christie was writing at a time that it was okay to make fun of Jews and Italians and you know not to mention anyone uh who is a person of color that there's Mm -hmm. just lots of things that are are not things that are acceptable now and so they think about those things and they also talk about the adaptations which is really fun for for people like me who came in um knowing the adaptations first and then the book second from from the time that I was growing up that was that was something I I uh that was the heyday of the um Poirot adaptations Mm -hmm. so that's what I grew up watching so 
the hosts are named Catherine and Kemper and they're just very smart and they're snappy and they sometimes will include audiobooks of the adaptations and so it sort of has a more pop culture-y sort of feel mm-hmm. than than academic feel so it feels very light and fresh and I think for someone who loves a deep dive of of anything um, these are a great way to revisit these books or to read them for the first time and then listen to the the audio um, uh, commentary because mm-hmm. they're these books are so influential and they've they've been the things that Christie was doing trickled down to mystery the mystery genre to the point that we don't sometimes recognize that she was the trailblazer and that she came up with the tropes that that we just think are standard for for uh, detective novels and so sometimes it's I think it's hard as a fan to see people sort of dismiss them as being all the same thing because they they do follow a, a pattern and mm-hmm. that's that's not a false thing to say but but uh sometimes I can feel like people are just like uh what you read one Christie you've read them all and mm-hmm. and that's not true and they really broke new ground and so they're really looking at the ways t- that they are individually different and and the ones that rise to the top and the others that are just kind of ho-hum and so so that's really fun for me and and I love a ranking system I <laughs> I can never get enough of ranking a book um series or or authors or whatever right. so um so they they will rank them and they'll they'll review their rankings and then sometimes they'll uh after I can't remember how many books they read where they redid the ranking system because they they were like yeah we read we read this book at the very beginning like mm-hmm. like one of her thrillers um I can't remember which one like like the man in the brown suit or something like that mm-hmm. they read at the very beginning because it was one of her first books and they ranked it really high because that was kind of what they had to go on at the time and compared to the other stuff they had read they really loved it and then as time went on they're like oh the man in the brown brown suit is beating the the murder of roger Ackroyd. that that's not that can't exist in the world that's not right and so they will they will sort of uh uh revamp everything that they've thought just just to make things a little more the way they should be so so i like that they sort of have that attitude of this is not set in stone and we right. have to reevaluate these things so so i think it's really fun um i haven't I, so i was doing this christy thing of reading a book a month a couple of years ago and then i there was a, there was one girl that was running this club and then i and then she kind of disappeared from litzy and so i took it over but we restarted because there were so many people that had not done the first one that wanted to do the that wanted to be a part of it and so we just started at the beginning so i haven't read any of these uh any christie's i haven't been rereading them as part of this but um i'm about to hit where i ended so i'm excited to to get back into that habit of of um i actually listen to all of them of listening to a christie a month and then having my like time to get to listen to all about agatha to to think about all the issues with the book so so i'm excited about that that sounds great yeah it's very fun uh, for nerds only yeah. for nerds only for agatha christie nerds no, i'm just kidding yeah uh, <laughs> all right so my next one is probably one that's known to people that have listened to um bookish podcasts but it's what should i read next with ann bogle uh this is the other one that if i get behind i do I, i'm more likely to let this sort of linger in my podcast feed longer than the front their front porch ones, but I will eventually catch up on them because I do enjoy it quite a lot. So if you're not familiar, Anne Bogle 
has a podcast. She had a blog called Modern Mrs. Darcy and still has it, but she started with a blog and then added a podcast where she has a reader on every week pretty much. Sometimes not a reader, but usually that's kind of the format. She has a reader who has maybe something that they are hoping for in their reading lives and they tell her three books they love and one book that they aren't as fond of and then uh, she gives them suggestions. She gives them usually three suggestions and there are lots of reasons I like this. I think that as somebody who works in books, I like the exercise of thinking myself of what I would recommend to people uh, that have those, you know, favorites and least favorite books and what they're hoping for in their reading lives. It's interesting to hear. She she tends to get people on that have, I don't know, I, she's, she's very good at kind of bringing out what makes people unique or what they makes their situation unique or relatable mm-hmm. both you know something sometimes you listen to somebody and you think oh wow i can i can absolutely see what this person is saying or they somebody who lives in a different country and you hear about their life and it's like oh that's so cool i never knew that so i don't know yeah. it's just very entertaining to listen to that and then she also gives really great book recommendations i think i've always impressed my understanding is she does these literally on the fly where she'll have kind of an idea in her head of course she knows ahead of time who she's going to be talking to and so she has seen their three books they love and their one book they hate and what oh and what they're reading right now too is the other one that that she asks about and so as the person so she knows those ahead of time. So I think she has sort of a general idea of maybe some titles she, she would suggest based on that. But then when she's talking to people, of course, you're hearing more about why they're liking those books or disliking those books or what's working for them or what's not. And so my understanding is she's posted pictures on Instagram and places before that she literally is just sitting there thinking in her head of books as oh they're my talking. Gosh. And um, I think... Like I said, I think she does do a little bit of prep work ahead to have some suggestions ready. Um, But then you can tell like her brain is working and she's thinking of titles and she'll say, have you read this person? Have you read that person? I think I would I think you would like this book and this is why. And so I find it very entertaining and interesting to listen to. I've gotten lots of great book recommendations from it. And I I just like hearing kind of how she puts together things where she'll sometimes I'll be thinking of a book and then that's the book she recommends. And it's like, yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. That's a perfect recommendation <laughs> for that person. And actually her, she has on her blog, a blog post for each episode that people can go on themselves and add comments and make suggestions for the reader. And I've done that a couple of times and whoever the person is that has been on the show is every, I've only done it a handful of times, but they're very responsive and will say, you know, like they're clearly reading the comments that people are leaving about other suggestions for books. So, um, so yeah, that's one of my favorites that, um, I've been the long, you know, listener, I think from the very, I think I started listening on episode number one when it first came out and have been listening ever since. So I really like her podcast. Uh, and, uh, yeah, again, I think you, you get lots of good book recommendations from it, but it's also a fun exercise if you read a lot to sort of think, what would I recommend to that person? Yeah. And if, if their reading tastes are alike or different than your own, it helps to sort of think about, well, what would work for them? So that's why I like that. Um, okay, so you only well, had two podcasts. Oh, so, oh sorry. I was going to say one more thing. You and I both know is uh, you, you still do reader's advisory, and I don't, I don't do mm-hmm. it to the extent that I used to uh, professionally. But um, you and I both know how hard it is to recommend books on the fly. Like yeah. you get you get someone at the desk mm-hmm. asking for something, and you're you're 
it seems easy for for those of you who do not do this yeah. it seems really easy and especially for people who read a lot it seems like it should be just easy to come up with something but mm-hmm. um, brain freeze is yeah. very very real in those situations and yeah. you just kind of panic and so for the fact that she's able to do it on the fly mm-hmm. is like I always said I'm great at reader's advisory if I can have a second to think about it mm-hmm. but if you just have someone standing in front of you or or listening to you then that can be very tricky and so Mm. that's so impressive that she's able to just pull it out of her head that way yeah and again I don't know that ins and outs of it but that's my impression is that yeah she has her sort of standbys that she would recommend based on what she has looked at ahead of time as far as what they're what they've listed on their little application form but then it seems to me that in the course of the conversation sometimes she thinks of other ones frequently um and and offers up those so that's very cool okay so what i was gonna say is you only had two podcasts i think you said and so i'm just gonna list off a couple more because those are kind of my main two that i never miss or like i said we'll get caught up on if i get behind and then i do have a few so i already mentioned the book right one get book was another one that i wanted i I like a lot too yeah yeah and then i have listened to a few of the genre excuse me, genre specific ones, the romance one in particular I've listened to in the past, as well as just the basic like book riot podcast, I think it's called, which is sort of news in the book world. Um, I've gotten out of the habit of listening to those, but I liked those when I listened to them. Um, And then two that are much, much newer, and I haven't listened to very many episodes, but they're they're waiting for me when I want to, are currently reading and reading glasses. And they are both similar podcast to you and I it's a couple of friends kind of talking about books and um that I've liked what I've heard so far I'm not going to strongly recommend them because I haven't listened to enough to really have an opinion of whether they're going to stick in my routine or not but they are certainly ones I have enjoyed the ones I've listened to so just wanted to add those as well um all right so then what other kinds of media do you pay attention to Anne as far as book recommendations um, so I, I don't do a ton of bookstagram kinds of things. Um, I, I don't post books very much. I don't post on Instagram actually very often at all. Um, but I like to scroll. <laughs> and so, uh, I was telling Hallie before we started that apparently I was, I was trying to find bookish accounts and apparently the only thing I've been looking at recently are food and yoga accounts because that was the only thing that the algorithm <laughs> would bring up when I was trying to do my notes and so uh so I know I follow quite a few more bookish accounts but um these are the things that I was able to remember in my head so the the uh I'll just kind of go through them quickly the the um one of my favorites is my local bookstore the bookshop Nashville mm-hmm. um which is a very small space and so they uh joelle the owner just posts these gorgeous photos of mm-hmm. her like sun-filled oh, so gorgeous. they're so pretty and she selects books individually by how not not like only by how beautiful they are but that's that's a big part of her criteria mm-hmm. are are just she wants it to be beautiful and so um so that makes a for a very beautiful instagram feed and so um it's just a joy to look through and she always uh she's very good at finding books that i wouldn't seek out myself and so it it, she's she's probably the best hand seller of books i've ever seen because she's she has a small space so she isn't going through a billion things and she just is very good at curating it so um so you you follow it as well having not even visited the store you love it so it's just great yeah it's a good Um, 
And then I also follow the, mel- or it's just Melanated Reader. Um, and she is, uh, I think it started as a book blog. I'm not entirely sure about that, but she has a TikTok and she does bookstagram. And she just makes me laugh a lot because <laughs> it's this lady who dances around with what she's reading to hip hop. <laughs> and so she, she gets like her new releases and she just is dancing to them. And, and she's just very joyful and it's, she's very well read. She has a really wide, uh, range in what she reads and Mm. and very often focuses on authors of color and um and you just can't help but be happy when she is kind of doing her little like shoulder shimmies to whatever she's she's reading right now so um so I really like her I always I always get a kick out of what she posts um and then I follow James underscore Trevino and he does visual art using books and Mm. um bookstagram can be i think very ya heavy and that's Mm -hmm. sort if you like if you like ya this is it's definitely leaning toward that um but sometimes i just get tired of of like ya bookstagram can be very like here's here's a beautiful like curated bedscape (laughs) of Mm -hmm. of me reading right now with a little candle and stuff and it just can kind of feel very artificial to me for for as beautiful as it is it it just feels too fake to me Mm -hmm. and so he sort of takes the same books but he makes art with it so it will be like him doing the the harry potter houses but he makes he uses books to create the different symbols for them and so so he um he just does these very elaborate projects with with the physical book itself and so um his his shelf his shelves are just gorgeous they're they're all lined with um with string lights and then and then they're they're color coordinated which i normally am anti but because of what he's doing to to try to make art out of these things then it sort of makes sense so i'll forgive him for that but those are just really fun to see the the sorts of things he does um and then also at well-read black girl is kind of a standard Mm -hmm. it's she's she's a blue check uh account and she's very famous but the things that she posts are very always really thought-provoking and um and again bringing out authors that i don't know that i i have as much in the forefront of my uh of all of our regular reading um we all need to do better on things like that and so so i like that she draws attention to those authors so those are the four that jumped out at me that i could remember off the top of my head and then i scrolled through a ton of food accounts to Mm -hmm. try to find more but i know that i also follow i've had a lot of um listeners follow my instagram which i apologize for how much I never post on it if they were hoping for more, but they, uh, I've enjoyed seeing some of our listeners and yep. their, their book accounts because they, they do really, uh, enjoyable things with those too. So, and I just like seeing our online friends, uh, getting into what they're reading as yep. well. Yeah, me too. Uh, so yeah, I was going to say, I have some people that I follow and I sort of don't know how I've started following them, but just generally people that post sometimes about books. So I try to pick people that I I knew posted regularly about books. <laughs> so I have <laughs> I have three plus I would co-sign the um bookstore the bookshop, right? Isn't that what it's called in Nashville? The that, bookshop uh, Nashville. Nashville, yeah. The and then account. Parnassus Books as well, which is also yeah. a Nashville bookstore. Um and then I follow um 
few other bookstores. So those are always books are magic is another one I follow. In oh yes, Brooklyn that's Evan Straub's. So bookstores are generally going to be a good follow for anybody yeah. who wants to read or wants to see stuff about books. But um, so I have three people. I have um, and I think I may have mentioned some of them before. But uh, so Ashley Spivey is one, and she has so she has two accounts. She has her own personal uh, account which she posts about all sorts of things. She posts quite a bit, um, and she posts about her personal life. She posts about politics. She posts about um, current events. She posts about all sorts of things. She's somebody who was on The Bachelor years ago, but she got oh. kicked off of The Bachelor at like in 11th place or something like that. I don't know. She wasn't somebody who made it super far, but she became almost like a Bachelor commentator after that because she posted something at some point that was pretty critical of The Bachelor. And so I think that's how some people know her. That is not how I knew her. I actually did come to her as a book recommender, I had um, so the Fug Girls, who we've talked about before, they said something at one point about following her for book recommendations. So that's how I found her. And she's a great book recommender. She also has a book club on Instagram. It's called Spivey's Book Club. And they pick a book every month and uh, people post about it and they, you know, post commentary about it. So I think, but. I would, so I, I hesitate to recommend following her if all you want is book content because she does post about all sorts of things. She always says it's a stream of consciousness account, like whatever comes to her, <laughs> she's posting about. And so some, and some people I know during election season didn't like her political leanings and so stopped following her. But anyway, she, I'm just going to put it out there that you might want to give her a try. I like, I like following her for lots of reasons, but I, think she has really great book recommendations and I think a lot of what she recommends that I've either have read because she has recommended them or have uh, read in advance and then see that she recommends them and think oh yeah I like that so I I have similar tastes to her so she's one um, and then the next person I'm sorry I do not know how to pronounce her name because I only ever read it I don't I don't watch like videos that where she pronounces her name or anything so it's Hitha Palaipu, I think. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes. But she is, again, she doesn't only post about books, but she posts a lot about books. And so uh, she has um, a website called Five Smart Reads, and she has a hashtag called Read with Hitha or Hitha that um, people can post to about what they're reading. And so she posts, and she posts about all sorts of things. She posts about YA, she's posted some nonfiction she's posted adult fiction so she posts about all sorts of things but does tend to post about um authors of color which i like you know i like to see that perspective um because i know in my own life i have work to do on making sure that i i read diverse diversely but that's not all she posts about but it does seem you know she's paying attention to that which i like to see and then my last one is grace atwood which she is sort of like a lifestyle influencer I guess you would say mm -hmm. so again she posts about various lifestyle things but she loves to read and she posts about books all the time she also has a podcast I've never listened to it but it's called bad on paper and it's with somebody else who is an influencer named Becca Freeman and they talk about books they have a book club so that might be another option I just have never listened to it um because I feel like my podcast listening life is full at the moment but um <laughs> but she posts so grace atwood is the one where i got the recommendation for that book that i read last year about the 40 year old woman who has the affair with the boy band right. member so that's right. where i got that so those are kind of my three main ones but i was if so we can post our 
individual Instagrams in our in the show notes as well. And if you go through the people I follow, I think you're going to probably find a lot more people that are just people like you and me and who just yeah post like books and post about them. But those are kind of like the main ones that I um, pay attention to. Uh, so that's kind of it for me as far. I mean, I do pay attention. The other thing I was going to mention is I do pay attention to kind of the celebrity book club picks to Reese Witherspoon. Right. Uh, Jenna Bush Hager, I think, makes incredible book picks every month. Yeah, uh, she, she really does. Yeah. So I love seeing what she picks. In fact, um, I mean, we're going to talk here in a minute about our balancing our reading lives. But one of the things I, I've I've been making notes already of what I'm going to read next year when I'm not on reading list anymore. And a lot of those books, like almost every month, I write down what she chooses because I'm like, that sounds fantastic. I want to read that. So um, but so I do try to pay attention to those, too, as far as um, because I know those do have a lot of influence and people see those uh, and book of the month club, too. I pay attention to what those books are because I feel Mm -hmm. like people I know in my life are book of the month club members. And so those are the books they're reading. So those are kind of my my main things I would say outside right. of um, just sort of more general sort of I would like to pay attention to see what titles that they're choosing right and I I have said already in this discussion I've mentioned Litzy a couple of times that's that's a um, a book specific uh, social media platform that is like Goodreads and Instagram had mm-hmm. a love child and um yeah, it's it's very fun. It's the friendliest place on on the internet, I would say, um, and it's it, that's another place where I get I I don't necessarily get a ton of reading recommendations from it, just because I work with books so much that it's this will sound arrogant, but I've already heard of the books, <laughs> so I don't mean that in an arrogant way. But I but I do if something is getting a lot of traction, that's that's a good way for me to see that it's being posted a ton that where mm-hmm. where lots and lots of people of different backgrounds mm-hmm. are are reading this book. So that's that's yeah. fun and it's less the reason i i uh i sort of jokingly say that it's a love child of of instagram and and goodreads is that it's much less curated than than your mm-hmm. bookstagram hashtag is and so mm-hmm. it just feels very like here's what i'm reading and here's a picture of it and i'm not going to bother to set up a a, a um tiny bottle and some mm-hmm. incense yeah. to, to make that's my version beautiful. of posting for bookstagram is right. what i'm reading here's why you should <laughs> there's right. why you might like it yeah it I feels a lot more picturing. a lot less sponsored yeah. so um all right so did you have anything else that you wanted to mention no okay so let's talk a little bit about so now we've listed off all these places that if people haven't already um if people didn't already know about them, now they know about them, they're going to get this influx of book recommendations. Uh, <laughs> so what? how do we handle that? Um, so this is an ongoing dilemma, I think, for every reader, uh, right. is how do you decide what to read next? How do you balance things like having a life with all the books that you want to read? Right. Um, and so I've talked plenty. I'm sure people are sick of hearing me talk about uh, you know, the amount of reading I do for now the committee that we're both on. Now you're you're right in the thick of it with me um, <laughs> because it is. It's something you have to kind of think about and you do get all of those book influences from multiple places. So how do, how do you balance that? So do you have any thoughts, Anne? Um, no, I, be, when we were talking before, I said I was just going to sit back and, and bask in Hallie's wisdom of... <laughs> of how she does this because I feel like I'm pretty terrible at it yeah um 
I do I, I was telling my best friend um, she came to visit a couple of weekends ago and she I was telling her about this committee and she said oh it's basically that your hobby becomes right your this job. committee yeah. yeah and so um it's it it does feel uh, one of the reasons I wanted to join the committee was because I I was annoyed by how much time I was spending online and um and I just wanted to structure my time a little bit better to prioritize the thing that I love doing the most but I also don't want my life to be all all reading I, right. I want to be a, a better um balanced person than that so um and I have lots of other interests and so so I would again advocate for audiobooks and how much those can can give you um uh the satisfaction of having read a book but also mm-hmm. you know doing whatever exercise or whatever art project or whatever cooking project you want to do um it's not always feasible but but i find that that is a great way for me to incorporate um uh time that could i, I wouldn't say it's dead time but to me mm-hmm. exercise is dead time <laughs> yeah well so it's time if that... I... yeah sorry go ahead oh if i can be reading at the same time then i then i yeah. look at it in a much more favorable way right. than if i'm just like well i've got to listen to someone yell at me for an hour <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, it's. I always think of those as bonus reading times because right. they're not times I would be sitting down with a book. So if I can listen to an audiobook, and that's extra, that's just all yeah. extra time. So that I didn't yeah. think that I was going to have. So I always like that. Um, so yeah, I, do I think was, it is oh, hard. Sorry. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was. I, I was going to say. I do think it is. Uh, I think this is sort of what our listener Anne was getting at of how do you decide right. the the book versus the podcast right, and what you're right, going to prioritize. Right. And I and I think that as you, for me at least, as I've started, I, I'll give lots of things a try. Mm-hmm. And uh, f- f- with podcasts especially, I'll give things a try. And even with, with various accounts that I follow mm-hmm. or, or other like bookish media that I will pay attention to, things, as you pay more attention to them, things start to sort of filter out because you're not getting as much value from them and so there are lots of podcasts that I've started and thought and even have jumped around in them just Mm -hmm. to see like oh they were a little bit shaky at the beginning when I started when I I had to go back to their 2014 episodes because (laughs) my brain has to do that Um, and so I'll skip ahead to their 2020 episodes Mm -hmm. and see if they're if they've revised some things right. and then and then they don't and then I say well it's just isn't for me and so right. you you can kind of say these are my priorities and and I only have so much time yeah yeah so one of the things that I referred to earlier is about the fact that I do this audio's judging and so I get this huge backlog of podcasts to listen to during that time because it ends up right. being what three months or something of listening yeah, or something like that depending on your on which rich uh, right so usually for doing. me I usually only do a certain round that is of judging that's three months so yeah dur- and I don't only listen to book podcasts I listen to other pop culture and you know other kinds of podcasts so right. I end up getting this big backlog so that is actually a really great way of figuring out which are gonna which podcasts I want to stick with and which I don't so like I said right. but the book riot podcast just kind of like went away after yeah. like I have yet to go back to them and the listening for audience ended in December and so I, that to me is maybe a if you don't have that forced pause and hiatus in in listening or consuming it that maybe that's a way to do it is take a break from what you usually consume and and then when you go back to it see what 
is the first thing you want to listen to or see and see and that will help like figure out if you if you're consuming so much that you're like ah you know there's not enough time or or what whatever it might be um then you can figure out okay these are truly the three that I want to listen to and I want to devote the three hours a week or whatever it is to that and then everything else is just going to be maybe occasional or not at all and then right that's that's a fair way to do it the other thing I would say is stick with the ones where you are getting something out of them like you are getting good book recommendations out of them mm-hmm. because if it's if it's entertaining to listen to but you aren't really ever liking the books that they recommend that's not to me, that's not a good fit unless all you want is the entertainment value. But if you mm-hmm. truly are looking for book recommendations and and nothing they're recommending really works, and it's like, well, why? You know, is this worth my time? So, right. Um, so that's the other thing I would say is if if there's one that, that for whatever reason isn't, I mean, it's very Marie Kondo. But if it's not a joy, <laughs> like if it's not a joy <laughs> to you, like say, you know, like acknowledge that it's for other people or it was yeah. it served its purpose at a time and then now it's not for you. So. Um, that's what well, I that, say as far as that goes. That's also true. Book, book blogging isn't as big of a thing as it was mm-hmm. 10 years ago or maybe maybe less some time than mm-hmm. that. But but that that was at the time I, I do the same brain thing with, mm-hmm. with blogs of having to go back to the beginning, which, yeah. again, I recognize is not not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but if you're I, I was finding that I'm, I'm like, why am I? I'm doing this because it's a thing to check off and right. not, and, and sometimes I can view um, my leisure activities as another thing to get done. Yeah. And, um, and that's not the point of leisure activities. And so um, unless you get a lot of satisfaction from doing that, yeah. which sometimes I do. So, yeah. um, but I, I found that there were, there were, there were definitely things that rose to the top where I, I realized these are the, the blogs that I'm, I'm, looking forward to looking at and these are the ones that I'm just seeing are in my feed and therefore I need to look at them and then um it's kind of like being able to to uh put aside a book where there's there's this uh compulsion to finish things but then once you you let yourself let go of that it's like the greatest feeling on earth of of saying this is this is not serving me and I'm 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 um cutting it out right. of my life so right. so I think that I think as as uh listeners sort of get more into that practice then they'll sort of find that it it does that the struggle will always be there mm-hmm. because there's so many things that that become new things that that fill in places that you've cut out in the past but but I think as you practice it it's like anything the more you practice it the better you get at it yeah I would agree with that wholeheartedly um so I don't really have any wise words about balancing reading time with other things. I will say a few years ago, I did make a conscious choice to say, because it was feeling like reading was um, not, uh, I don't know how to say, it. like almost as if I always felt like I should be reading. There were just so many books right. I wanted to read. Uh, I felt like if I had any free time, I should be reading. And I've sort of let go of that, which is kind of ironic considering that I'm supposed to be reading so many books. <laughs> so many books. <laughs> but I have let go of that. And I, I'll tell you a couple of reasons I think why. First of all, there are just times that if I'm not in the right frame of mind to read, like if I'm distracted for whatever reason or 
if I like I truly want to be doing something else if I want to be watching TV if I want to be doing a puzzle if I want to be you know messing around on the internet looking at stupid things like that's what I want to be doing so if I try to sit down with a book I find I can't settle into reading a book very easily and I feel like my Mm -hmm. attention wanders and I'm not giving the book its full attention and so it's never going to be a great book for me because I'm not going to enjoy reading it so I think I have come to really accept that so if Generally, I'll say, okay, often my reading time is the hours between when I finish my day of work and whatever else I'm doing that day and before dinner. So that tends to be my best reading time. It's going to be the most awake I'm going to be. If I read before bed, (laughs) I fall asleep. I just do. I wake up early. And so by the time I'm getting in bed at night, I'm usually pretty tired. So when I start reading, generally, it you know, it's a very relaxing thing to me. I tend to fall asleep. So Um, But those hours during the work week between, you know, five and seven o'clock or whatever it is, that tends to be a very good reading time for me. Um, Obviously, people, anybody in the world knows that like you can't you have other things to do sometimes. So that actually Mm -hmm. helps me because some days I don't have that time to read. So then the days that I do have that time to read, it's a really welcome respite from the world. It's like, okay, now I get to read this book. So to me, that was a huge part of what what sort of letting go of the feeling like, oh, in any free time I have, I should be reading. It was like, then when I found these pockets of time that worked for me, I was like, well, this is great because now I know in the days that I have to go to the grocery store or whatever, and I can't read now, the next day is going to be that much better because then I have an hour to read in the afternoon or whatever it might be. So that's sort of how I approach it. I don't try to force reading at times that it isn't what I want to be doing. Um, And I know that might sound strange because of course it's a leisure activity it should be something you only do when you want to but truly for me there was a time where if I wasn't doing something I felt like I should be reading and so letting that go and just being like it's okay to do something else if I don't feel like reading has actually improved my reading life quite a bit Um, (laughs) and and also like you said setting aside a book that doesn't work for me has helped quite a lot because then I'm not slogging through a book or what I was finding myself doing is reading a a few pages and then setting it down, picking up my phone and looking at Instagram or, um, you know, setting aside. So then I was stretching the process out even longer. It was taking even longer to read a book that was already feeling like it was taking a long time. And so I was enjoying it less and less as it went on. So just setting it aside and thinking it's not the time for me to read this book and maybe I come back to it some other day and maybe I don't like that was very freeing. Um, The other thing I would say, and this is, I think, kind of speaking directly to Anne's question about we're getting all of these book recommendations from all of these sources. There are all these books we want to read. So what I do is, so I have a Goodreads account, and if you follow me, you maybe have noticed that I have, like, I don't know, 1,500 books on my to-read shelf or something like that. And probably about once a year, I go through and I drastically cull that list Mm -hmm. so what happens is I'll hear about a book I'll think I want to read that I put it on my to read shelf and then I then I've captured it right then it's saved somewhere I know that I have said I want to read that someday well then a year later when I go and look and I'll think I don't know why I said I wanted to read that I don't remember who recommended it to me I don't you know (laughs) then I take it off because I think if if I can't remember now, it's probably not going to be something that pulls me to read it soon. Um, And then if it does pop up again in my life in some way, and it does sound intriguing again, 
then I'll read it then. Like if it comes back in some way, I'll I'll read it. But yeah. I don't need to let it just linger there. So I don't know if that's helpful or not. But to me, mentally, it is because as I'm hearing these book recommendations that I think sound really interesting, I add them to this list. And so I think, okay, good. Someday I'll read those. And then yeah. later, I'll go back and kind of try to pare that down a bit. So that helps me sort of balance the number of recommendations I get or the number of books that sound good with how much actual reading capacity I have. Well, when when you told me about how you did that, and I I started um, I started doing that myself, then I think one of the criteria you said was was that you look at the the average star ranking on on the books. Um, yeah, and I I, I change some. Yeah, but yeah, it has often been a way that I do it. Yeah, yeah, and and that has been helpful for me because there there are lots of. I love cozy mysteries and I will add any cozy mystery to my to my TBR just because I think they're so fun and so goofy but I can only read so many of them there there's I'm not going to read every single cozy series that that exists and so there might be something that I add that then has a three star average and then I can I can Mm -hmm. say well this lots of people didn't like this book Mm -hmm. and so I I may maybe I'm one who will love it but it's a pretty good chance I I can prioritize something else and I think I think that when you start thinking about about your time as what you want to prioritize Mm -hmm. um, that that really does help because for much of my life I thought well I can get to everything and Mm -hmm. as I'm getting older I'm (laughs) I'm recognizing I cannot get to everything yeah and um and also um I, why am I spending time reading things that are okay? And, yeah. and that isn't to say that you should be reading like only great literature. And, right. and I know there's lots of people that feel that way of, of only read the best books. And, and I don't advocate that, but, but why, why spend my time? Why, why not get to the things that I truly love? Because I have, I have a stack that I, of things right. like, I just sort of want to get to. So yeah. Um, yeah. again, as you practice that, it will get easier. Yes. And I would say, yeah, I would say there is. So when I do that with the three star ish books, I'll look and I'll say, were there a bunch of five star and a bunch of one star? And that's why this is three stars or was it three stars? Because the majority of people rated it three stars. If it's a book that has a bunch of five stars and one stars, I'm going to keep that on there because I'm going to think I want to see if I'm one of the people that loves it or hates it. Yeah. yeah. If it's a bunch of three stars, I'm like, no, I'm going to trust the group here and say that this is probably a fine book. In fact, maybe even it's like a very nice way to pass the time but it's probably not one that's going to be a favorite it's probably not one that's going to like be have a big impact on me or anything so I'm like that can go away for a while and again if it comes back up in my life in some other way maybe I'll read it again in the future so yeah um, the other thing I do as far as prioritizing is I will write down maybe like five titles of books that I want to read soon like next basically yeah 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 and keep that on my desk and that way if if a book I if I keep hearing about a book and I think yeah yeah I really do want to read that or if I read a really great review of it or hear about it on a podcast whatever it might be and I think yeah I want to read that soon then I have my sort of like what I'm reading next list for me and I don't always stick closely to it but it does keep the books in mind that I know I want to try to get to soon um, so they don't 
it's not like out of sight, out of mind, especially because a lot of the reading I do is on my Kindle. And so that truly is out of sight, out of mind when their digital copies are just sort right. of like in there. I don't know what the, what's there. And so if I have that visual reminder of, hey, these are a couple of books that I'm excited about and I want to read, then that helps me too. So that's another thing as far as as far as hearing about all these books and then deciding what you want to read coming up, then that's a way I find really helpful because it's something I really, really want to read. Um, even as crazy as it sounds, like a few days can go by and then I've heard about 10 more books and suddenly right, that one exactly. book that I really wanted to read is a distant memory and um, that way it just keeps it top of mind. I saw, I actually saw Anne Bogle recommend a system like that. Oh, really? Um, on Instagram. Um, oh, yeah. Specifically because she was she was addressing um, uh, picking out a new book anxiety oh yes that's sort a of real the, thing yeah yeah it's totally a real thing and the and sort of being stymied by that of what mm-hmm. what you should you have a billion things to pick from how how you move forward and not mm-hmm. just waste a bunch of time uh dithering on on picking the perfect thing and so um i typically have books i have to read for book clubs or mm-hmm. or professional responsibilities or things that i'm i have to i have to rank sort of based on time mm-hmm. um, but now I'm on the reading list I have just a ton of books that I'm looking at that mm-hmm. I I can I have to read all of them <laughs> so yeah. I can pick or you know not really literally all of them but a chunk of them and so so having to say this is what I feel like reading next is I need to have a better system and so yeah. to say these are five books these are the five books I'm most excited yeah. about right now and yeah. just being able to to say be among these books which which am I going to pick yeah. that that can really help you so that you don't spend like I do very often with Netflix where I scroll through scroll, everything right, right. and then ne- never watch. pick anything yeah yeah so yeah so yeah interestingly with the reading list and I sorry Anne, you've already heard me say this earlier this week I believe <laughs> so sometimes I find it easier to just have my little stack of books that have been selected for me by other people through nominations and saying well I'm going to read one of those because then it takes the decision making out of it so one thing I'll do is Jeremy sometimes will pick books for me like I will give him three options and let him pick because then Mm -hmm. he is obviously not invested at all and right. read anything about the books and so but then it just makes it easier on me that I have sort of like oh here are three books sometimes it's the books I need to read if they're nominated titles but sometimes it's just here are three up here are three books that I'm interested in reading tell me which one to read and so it yeah. just again it takes that choice part which sounds silly but sometimes there is that's true no, it's, it's like so oh, I don't fun. know what to pick I don't know what to pick next so plus I uh, having someone like tell you this is what you're reading I, mm-hmm. that's why I love getting a syllabus at the beginning of the school yeah. like I love stuff like that it's why so we like doing really our the what the episodes where we pick for each other I love yeah. doing that that's it's so, so fun. much fun oh, uh, little nerds I know um <laughs> so I think that's kind of all of my advice slash suggestions slash how I do things for balancing my reading life. I'm a big, like Anne is, big list maker. So I have my different ways that I sort of track my reading and um, Mm -hmm. I find that helps. I do, one other thing I'll say is I do try to mix up my reading. So I'm sure I've mentioned this before, so I'm sorry for repeating myself, but I don't try not to read two similar books back to back because I feel like that always takes away from the enjoyment of the second book. Uh, So I do try to mix that up a little bit, which seems to help keep things fresh and interesting and um, keeps me excited about reading. So And um, helps you remember them uh, mm -hmm. later on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, I will say uh, sometimes it's hard for me to get into 
audiobooks after I've been listening to podcasts for a little while. It's sort of the same idea as, you know, referring to Netflix again. The difference between watching a TV show where you'll watch like five episodes of a half an hour TV show, but you're like, oh, I don't feel like committing to a movie. But at the same time, you've just watched two and a half hours of a TV show. Um, audiobooks are sort of the same thing for me where I'll tend to to have to get up the motivation to listen to an audiobook, even though I love them once I'm listening to them. It feels like a commitment. Whereas mm-hmm. podcasts, it feels like, you know, it's half an hour, or an hour, or whatever it is. And then yeah, and especially if you're kind of half listening too. Right, it right. It doesn't yeah. feel like you're using your brain quite as much. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope that helped, Anne. I hope that was answering the questions that you had. Um, if anyone else has suggestions, I know I say this at the end of every every episode, but truly, if you have a suggestion of what you'd like us to talk about or um, – any questions or anything, please reach out to us. We always love to hear from people who listen to our little podcast over here. And um, we always, <clears throat> I was so excited when I got this email from Anne because it was not a topic that we had ever really thought of on our own. And it was such an, obviously we've talked about it for an hour. There's a lot to talk about here. So I think this is a fantastic suggestion. So thank you, Anne, for providing that. Um, yeah. And we will be right back with what we're reading this week. Okay, Anne, what are you reading this week? This week I'm reading The Chicken Sisters by K.J. Uh, Delantonia, and this is a recent Reese pick? I yeah, think it, it was... was back in the fall, maybe? May, yeah, that sounds right. Um, so so it might be uh, something people are already familiar or, with, well... but I don't feel like this one got as big as some of her other yeah. uh, picks have, have been. So, Well, I'm just thinking um, it has to have been published after November 1st, so right, probably right, November or December, yeah. Yeah, it's part of part of consideration for uh, for what we're doing. So, yeah. um, so I Reese picks kind of are hit and miss for me. Sometimes they don't land for me, but I'm really enjoying this one, so I wanted to talk about it. So the background of it is that in the late 19th century, two sisters worked for the railway in Kansas, and they I think how it worked is that they started making box lunches for travelers. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that, but it, they're involved with food for for the railway system. And so um, somehow they end up feuding and they started rival fried chicken restaurants in a small town of Marinette, Kansas. And one was named Chicken Mimi's and the other is Chicken Franny's. And so the rivalry between these restaurants has continued for over a century and includes the the families that, that don't talk to each other and don't set foot in each other's restaurants. Um, but as many small towns um, that used to be prosperous um, have experienced, it, the restaurants aren't doing great and they need an injection of cash. And so uh, Amanda Moore uh, is is part of this, this feud and she reaches out to a cable food channel um, that doesn't exist but is based on the Food Network um, that has a reality show called Food Wars. And that show specializes in a face-off between two restaurants that have some sort of personal connection to see who does who does it better, who does their specialty better. So, so these two restaurants uh, specialize in the same thing, fried chicken, but they've diverged completely. So Chicken Franny's has become sort of a general family style restaurant and it serves many things besides fried chicken. And it's, it kind of has an Applebee's feel where they, they outsource a lot of dishes and they have a large staff and it just is, is kind of moved beyond the way it it originally started. But Chicken Mimi's is basically a one person show 
Um, it's owned by a woman named Barbara who has one cook and there's just a couple of servers and they only serve chicken and homemade pies and a couple of sides and when they run out they run out and it closes and it's super run down and Barbara is really salty about wanting to change things because she she feels like this is how, how it's always been and she doesn't want to be told what to do so um, Amanda is in a new unique she's in a unique position that's hard to say um (laughs) because by birth she is a member of chicken mimi's she is barbara's daughter and uh should be a part of that family but she married the son of the owner of chicken franny's and so she she broke ranks and she's now a pogocello and so she as a result of this she hasn't been able to step foot in chicken mimi's since she got married and she has a strained relationship with her mother and her sister and uh her husband actually ended up dying in a car accident after uh a few years of marriage i i can't remember how long but but um uh, maybe like five years or something like that and and at the time she she chose to stay with chicken franny's instead of going back home to to her own family so her her sister may left Merrimack for new york many years ago and she's become a minor celebrity um she works as a, as a professional organizer and she wrote a, a fairly famous book about it and she co-hosted a reality show about home makeovers but she was recently let go and so she's sort of trying to figure out what she's going to be doing with her life um, but she has this tense relationship with her family because she's she's so into cleaning and so into organizing that she ends up throwing away her kids' personal items and her, her husband's uh, um, nostalgia items and, and just is very controlling in that way. So when uh, Amanda suggests this, this show, Barbara says that the only way that she'll do it is if May comes home to help Chicken Mimi's. And May agrees, but she's wary of doing this because the reason for her cleaning obsession is because she is dealing with her childhood trauma of growing up with a mother who was a hoarder. And so so there's just a lot of backstory that's going into this. So the show starts, the, when the producers show up to Merrimack, the show basically starts. They don't really have any like lead time of scouting or anything like that. They just say, we're doing this. And so the producers and the host are kind of trying to secretly direct everything and all this drama and they're getting their footage and they're also recording when the sisters don't realize it, even though they've they've signed releases to say that they're okay with it, but they they don't realize how extensive that will be. So um so there's all this this all these things that, that are coming out that they don't intend to be part of the show. So so when May shows up, she really wants to revitalize Chicken Mimi's and kind of leans into the the, I'm doing air quotes authenticity of it over Chicken Franny's, but she's really trying to build her own brand and sort of use her her her, her, her uh, influencer sort of chops to to redo her mother's legacy. And Amanda is also struggling what she wants to do because she's she's been in this town her entire life and she has this this husband that she hasn't who died like 10 years ago and she still is living in his shadow and she doesn't really know what her own dreams are are going to be so um so a lot of books like this that are sort of relationship fiction books I've read have had sort of a wacky element to them when it when you kind of take all these pieces together and I don't like that and this doesn't do that at all It, it feels very real to how people would behave and you really feel that these sisters and and their mother have a long history and um and it's really respected and it just feels it, it's light, but it isn't it isn't silly. And I, I really like that about this book. Um, and I think it's also interesting that it's looking at, at our kind of 
national obsession with undiscovered treasures Mm -hmm. (laughs) and how everyone's looking for the next big thing that no one else has found yet and how they're curated online and how they're they're sort of artificially um portrayed and it's it's looking at what those what that um that online behavior does to a community behind the scenes. And that's something I'm just really personally interested in and, and find very compelling to read about. So, so I'm really, really enjoying this. Um, I have to go get some Prince's fried chicken tonight because <laughs> I cannot finish this book without having some fried chicken. And if you're in Nashville, the best is Prince's. And so I'm going to go get some hot chicken, even though that's not, it's, it's not hot chicken restaurants. It's just regular fried chicken, but, uh, why wouldn't I go get hot chicken if I have the opportunity exactly. to do that? So yeah, so so that is uh, the Chicken Sisters by KJ Del- KJ Delantonia. Yeah, that was one when Reese picked it. I uh, Reese, my good friend Reese, <laughs> best friends. Uh, I was I wanted I thought oh I want to read that one and then I was happy to see it show up for consideration for the reading list because I will yeah add it to my um, to read pile. All right, so what I just finished was the Lost Manuscript by Kathy. Bonadan. So she's French. So I'm a hundred percent sure that is not how you say that last name. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's what I'm going to go with. So it is a book obviously translated from French and it's an epistolary novel, which I think I have professed my love in the past for yes. epistolary novels. Uh, so I was so excited to read this and it didn't disappoint. It is one of those stories where all these different people are connected in a way that well, I'll describe it and you'll see what I'm saying. So all these people are connected by a book, basically, which what is better for a book lover than learning that there's a book that connects people. Um, so there's a woman who's staying at a hotel and she discovers just for, I think, the weekend. She's gone away for a weekend and there is an unpublished manuscript in her nightstand drawer. And so she pulls it out and she reads it and she's completely swept away by this lovely, lovely love story that she reads. And she wants to track down the owner because she thinks it's clearly somebody's manuscript. I mean, it's not, it's a, there are some handwritten notes and things in it. Like it's somebody's, um, you know, somebody's work that she is holding. Um, And so she, in one of the margins, she sees an address. So she takes a chance. So I think first, I think the first thing she does was ask at the hotel who stayed there before her, assuming that it was a person before her. But whoever it was before her, it was not their book um, that... And so she thinks, okay, well, I'll send it back to there's this address in the margin. So she's going to send it in the hopes that at least whoever's address that is will know who wrote the manuscript and could get it back to its original owner. And what happens is the man who receives the manuscript is the original author of the book, but he wrote it 30 years before and has no idea how it ended up in this hotel. And he had only written about two thirds of it. And the last third as it exists in the manuscript was written by somebody else. So there's this mystery of, first of all, how has this manuscript traveled? He had lost it 30 years prior. So where did it go in the meantime? Who had it? Who finished it? And then how did it end up in this hotel? So the woman who who found it is... Um, just adamant that she needs to figure out this this mystery. She feels like um, she strikes up this relationship with the original author and he has become kind of a recluse. And so she feels like it has something to do um, with this love story that's in the book that it was sort of autobiographical. And so he has closed himself off after this. And they never actually 
go into much detail. The author never really goes into much detail about what is in this book, just that whoever reads it is very, very affected by it um, as far as feeling like hope and that there's love in the world kind of thing. So um, as this woman tracks the progress of how, where this book was and who had it and trying to track down the original secondary author, um, you start getting other perspectives of people who all through these letters that people are writing back and forth. And so you end up meeting the woman's best friend through her letters and then the woman's best friend's love interests that she has. And, and the original author and the woman have this ongoing correspondence where they develop a friendship. And so it's just one of those things where you have all these different pieces and parts that tie together um the longer the book goes on you see these relationships kind of grow and the fact that they um these people are becoming friends and um so it was a really really just charming delightful book it's it's absorbing as i've said before about epistolary novels usually they're pretty quick reads because you just go from one one letter to the next to the next and it's like it just takes you right through the story kind of quickly I will say there were a couple of times where there was sort of a little side joke or an observation that I felt like went over my head a little bit because I wasn't French and so I wasn't quite sure what the <laughs> like there are jokes about being a Breton so that's like a, you know a, a separate part of it's still I think considered France but it's sort of like its own separate region of France or something right. and so um there are a couple of referrals to that that I'm like, I feel like I would find that funnier if I were French, but um, though it doesn't take away from the story at all. I'm just commenting on that because it is translated from the French. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was very charming. I think that's the only way I can, that's the best word to describe it is saying it's charming because it's just this lovely story about people being connected and, and love kind of triumphing over all and sometimes I just want to read a book that's like that. <laughs> that's yeah, all about lovely. love. Yeah. So that is The Lost Manuscript by Kathy Bonadon or Bonadan. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that is it for us. This was a long one. Um, but yeah. I hope that uh, if you stuck with us that you enjoyed it. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, like I said, we love hearing from people. You can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com. You can find us on our Facebook page, on Twitter, or on Instagram at wellreadpodcast. We will also, like I said, we'll also put our individual Instagram handles in our show notes. That way, if you want to either follow us or see who we follow on Instagram, uh, mm -hmm. you can do that. Uh, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your other podcast provider of choice. It really helps other people find us. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com where you can find a listing of every book we, we talk about in all of our episodes. Today we only have two, so <laughs> you'll find those, but uh, you'll find all of the books we talk about. Thank you all for listening and happy reading.